SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 25 Villain or Victim Hermione rolled over onto her side, throwing an arm around Draco's waist. She buried her face in his chest to shield her eyes from the bright light flooding into the bedroom from the window. She was so warm and content, her belly still full from Christmas Eve dinner at Knott Manor the previous night. The last thing she wanted to do was leave their bed. Draco muttered something unintelligible in his sleep and turned towards her, hooking one of his legs over her hip. Even when they cuddled, which was every night because it turned out cuddling was very important to him, they did not do so normally. There was no spooning, that was for certain. Instead, they wound up a tangle of limbs, clinging to each other in a way that reminded her simultaneously of a koala hugging a tree and a child holding their teddy bear. "'Happy Christmas,' she murmured into his chest. Draco grumbled in response. Suddenly, the door to their room was thrown open, and they both blinked tiredly at Veronica, standing in the doorway and grinning madly. In her hand was a copy of Witch Weekly. "'Myony, you cheeky motherfucker!' she shouted, and Draco winced, covering his ears. She came bounding across the floor, still in her pajamas, and leapt onto the bed, nearly breaking Draco's leg. He yelped loudly, shrinking away from her. "'This is fucking fantastic! I can't believe you convinced that daft cow to print this!' Understanding dawned on Hermione, and she sat up to tear the magazine from Veronica's grasp. On the front cover was a photograph of herself and Ron, taking whilst they were still together, having an argument in the middle of Diagon Alley. Beneath the bold letters of the magazine's name was the headline— Hermione Granger, villain or victim? Laughing brightly, she flipped through the magazine in search of the article and found a three-page spread containing both a lengthy piece and photographs of Lavender and Ron, herself and Ron, and even one of herself and Draco on the front steps of Gringotts Bank. She slapped Draco's thigh excitedly, and he raised his head, rubbing sleep out of his eyes. Holding the magazine for them both to see, she began to read. In the defense of a villain, the truth behind the Granger-Weasley affair, by Pavati Patil. We all know the story. We know how it went down. We have seen the evidence. It's a tale of betrayal and heartbreak, with the witch we all once worshipped playing the part of the villain. Through it all, said witch was nowhere to be seen. Now our resident golden girl, Hermione Granger, Order of Merlin, first class, has decided that she stayed quiet for too long. Over two years later, the villain of our story states her defense with the help of an unlikely friend. In June of 2000, Hermione Granger and then-beau Ronald Weasley, Order of Merlin First Class, had an argument that would later change their lives forever. With differing opinions on their immediate future, their relationship had been on the rocks for many months. It all came to a head one night when Granger proclaimed that she was, quote, done, and Weasley mistook this to mean that their two-year relationship had come to an end. Heartbroken, he left the flat the pair shared at the time, only to run into then-ex-girlfriend, Lavender Weasley, nay Brown, who provided him with some much-needed comfort. As it turns out, Granger had merely been referring to their current argument. In her mind, she and Weasley were still very much together. Upon discovering this, Weasley made the decision to keep his one-night affair a secret, for he did not want to risk losing the love of his life. Approximately one month later... Granger found out when Brown arrived at their flat with some shocking news. Despite being close friends with the Muggleborn since the age of eleven, Weasley had never before heard the common Muggle phrase, "'Wrap it before you tap it.'" No different from Weasley in this circumstance, Granger herself left, though, unlike Weasley, she was never to return. 
Accompanied by friend Ginevra Potter, nay Weasley, Granger consoled herself over a few drinks with a handsome stranger at a popular nightclub in Muggle London. Only after spending the night with said stranger did she learn that he was, in fact, the Muggle-American ambassador's son, who had, most unfortunately for her, been trailed by Muggle reporters all night. Explicit photographs surfaced of the two, which were shortly discovered by the wizarding population of Britain, and Granger could no longer show her face in public. Weasley's family, believing she had betrayed him by refusing to give him a chance to explain himself, abandoned Granger in her time of need. The only members of said family to take her side were Potter, wife of Harry Potter, Order of Moreland, first class, and co-owner of Weasley's Wizard Weezes, George Weasley. Her reputation ruined, Granger fled the country. With a baby on the way, Brown and Ronald Weasley decided to stay together, and they were married in the backyard of Weasley's childhood home on the 19th of September, 2000, which was, uncoincidentally, Granger's 23rd birthday. Neither Weasley nor Brown were aware of the significant date until it was too late. Despite knowing Granger's birthday, Weasley, still wallowing in guilt, was in no state to give his wedding plans a second or even first thought. Coerced by his mother, who was the one to plan the wedding and responsible for selecting the date, he and Brown were married on that day regardless of any moral obligations. What sort of witch must Molly Weasley be to have made such a heartless decision? One would think that, after treating Granger like a daughter for the past decade, she would be a little more considerate. In August of this year, Granger returned to Britain after completing a mastery in transfiguration abroad, in order to take up the post of transfiguration professor at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Meanwhile, Brown and Weasley were expecting another child, who was born this past November. Even after two years, Granger is still being ridiculed and shamed by the public. She chose to remain hidden away at Hogwarts, where she grew close to former Death Eater Draco Malfoy, who had taken up the post of Charms Professor. Within the boundaries of the castle, located in Scotland, Granger and Malfoy were free to explore their relationship out of the sight of the immensely curious wizarding world. As they were known to have hated each other while in school, can you really blame us for being curious? Brown has long felt guilty for her part in the ending of Granger's relationship with Weasley, and, after the birth of their second child, reached out to Granger, apologizing. While Granger refused to speak to Weasley, she took it upon herself to meet with Brown, where the two came to the decision to tell the public the truth. She was my friend at one point, Brown said in an interview yesterday. Whatever people think, she's not the villain here. Telling the truth is the least I can do. After much debate with his wife, Weasley gave a statement of his own, which included a number of bitter comments regarding Granger's new relationship that did not make it to print. I really did love Hermione, he confesses. I probably always will. I wish she would have talked to me rather than just leaving, but I get it. I should have done a better job defending her. When asked what he would say to Granger if she was here now, Weasley said, I don't reckon there's anything I can do to make it up to you, but I miss my best friend. Though this statement does little to absolve his mistakes, it's clear that all he wants from Granger now is her friendship, if she should allow it. That, however, is up for her to decide. Would you forgive a cheater? Not many would, and for good reason. Weasley and Brown are now looking into getting a divorce, though they promise to keep close for the sake of their two children. Granger is said to be much happier these days, mainly due to her new beau, Malfoy, but the Wizarding World owes her an apology. We are all indebted to her for her part in the defeat of Lord Voldemort, and, in the future, we should not be so quick to turn our backs. While betrayal and heartbreak remain true to this story, there may not be a real villain after all, unless you count Weasley's mother, 
simply a case of miscommunication, and two young witches and a wizard still healing from a war that none of us could ever hope to forget. Hermione sighed contentedly, leaning her head back against the headboard. Beside her, Draco snorted. <laughs> Take that, Mrs. Weasley, he muttered, smirking. She's an avid Witch Weekly fan, you know, Hermione told him. There's no doubt in my mind that she's reading this right now. Bavati, Lavender, and Ron should all be expecting Howlers at some point today. Myself, too, actually, she added in an afterthought. Weasley could use some more tearing apart, said Draco, frowning at the photographs of Ron and Hermione. But I suppose if he helped with the article, Batil would be hesitant to make him look terrible. Oh, well, he's still confessed to being a cheetah. Plenty of people will tear him apart for that. I personally can't wait for the Prophet to pick this up. Veronica leapt up and began bouncing on the bed, laughing. She reached for Hermione's hands, yanking her upwards, and Hermione began jumping up and down with her, grinning. "'Who cares?' exclaimed Veronica. "'Fuck him!' Draco sat up, drawing his legs toward himself as to keep from getting jumped on again, and laughed, watching them with bright eyes. "'Happy fucking Christmas to the Weasleys!' Just then, there was a low cackling from the doorway. Hermione stopped jumping to turn towards Creature, slightly out of breath, he had his arms full of letters. Not one of them was a howler. "'Miss Hermione has some post,' he said, sounding almost evil. He crept forwards and hissed at Veronica to quit her bouncing before dumping the letters on the bed. "'Creature hopes Miss Hermione will not be angry that he opened a few without her permission. Creature could not resist.' Draco and Veronica reached for a letter each, and upon opening his, Draco howled with laughter. "'Dear Hermione,' he read gleefully, "'Ronald Weasley is a piece of flaming hippogriff dung. "'You have my sincerest apologies for not realizing that sooner.' "'I have just gotten my muggle driver's license,' Veronica read, chortling herself. "'If you are amenable, I shall happily give him a little accident from Anonymous.' "'Nasty blood traitor Weasleys thought they could dirty the home of Creature's masters,' said Creature with a malicious little grin." Creature thinks the youngest wizard would be better off with broken legs, and volunteers himself for the task. Draco cleared his throat, trying to keep a straight face as he scanned the contents of another letter. My ex-fiancé cheated on me the night before our wedding. I found out through his best man and immediately called it off. His mother actually had the audacity to say it was my fault for not holding his attention. I don't pretend to know what you have been through, for all I care, Molly Weasley can rot. Hermione beamed proudly, collapsing sideways on the bed, and reached for a letter of her own. It was from a wizard in Belfast, and contained a clipping of Parvati's article. "'My wife is an activist for women's rights in the muggle world, and I have learned a great deal through her work. Society hates women that speak up for themselves. Men are almost always seen as the victim. Other women will turn against each other when there's a man involved, and my wife tells me this is the worst thing a woman can do to another. She hates which weekly to no end.' But we found this article through our daughter, who reads it religiously. My wife wishes to tell you that seeing you and this lavender come together to support each other should inspire other young women to do the same, and congratulates you both for telling the truth. Feminism! cried Veronica, punching the air. Might Creature read Hermione his favorite letter? Of course, Creature, said Hermione, smiling. She propped her head up on her hand to see him better from his stance on the side of her bed. Dear Miss Granger, Creature began. I hope you have learned your lesson. This is what one gets when they involve themselves in the matter of pure-blood traitors such as the Weasleys. You are a shining example of what all Muggleborns should strive for. I applaud you for exchanging a Weasley for a Malfoy. Sincerely, Irina Crabbe. 
That's not Vincent Crabbe's mother, is it? Draco nodded faintly, looking rather shocked. "'My own mother sent me a letter this morning telling me what an impressive feat it was to find yourself a Malfoy,' said Veronica. "'She also told me I should be following your example, but I've chosen to ignore that bit.' Hermione shook her head, half amused and half exasperated. She picked up another letter, her eyes widening at the name. "'Dearest Hermione, I don't know if you've read it yet. I know how you detest Witch Weekly, but Sophia won't stop laughing. We're both very happy for you. I'm sure Weasley's mother is pulling her hair out right now.' She and I will be in London next month. I am working on a new project with a master that lives in the area. We shall have to visit you at Hogwarts while we're there. I want to meet this Malfoy character. Perhaps the four of us could have dinner. Sophia and I will be sure to bring along some Italian wine. There are some things the British simply don't know how to do right. Happy Christmas, Malcolm. Draco peered at the letter over her shoulder and groaned in annoyance. Wonderful, he muttered. Just wonderful. "'They're good company, Draco,' said Hermione, rolling her eyes. "'I'm sure it'll be fine.' "'So long as he keeps his hands to himself.' "'Who has to keep their hands to themselves?' asked Veronica. "'My friends from Venice will be here next month,' Hermione told her. "'They want to meet Draco.' She looked thoughtfully at her, then added, "'You should join us.' "'Yes, because Veronica's so excellent at easing tension,' said Draco sarcastically. Veronica shrugged, unbothered. At least I keep things interesting. There was a soft whoosh from the main room, and Creature poked his head out the door to investigate. He turned back to them, grinning. It appears the Weasley Matriarch's howler has arrived, Miss Hermione, he said, with a cruel little chuckle. Creature shall send her one of his own. And with that, he practically skipped from the room, looking more pleased than she had seen him in years. Hermione sat on the rug on the floor of Tonks's cottage with Teddy in her lap, Draco and Andromeda on the sofa facing them. In the corner stood a Christmas tree, decorated with a combination of antique baubles and odd bits and bobs that had been made by a young Nymphadora Tonks. "'I just pressed the button,' Teddy said, looking up at Hermione. "'Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. Draco, would you turn off the lights?' The room fell into darkness a moment later, the only light source being that of the string lights hanging from the Christmas tree." She pointed to the red button on the small projection device sitting on the coffee table in front of Teddy and herself. Go on, test it out. Teddy eagerly pressed the button, and then looked up in wide-eyed wonder as the image of a full moon appeared on the ceiling above them, a rotation of wolves bounding over it. He laughed delightedly, clapping his hands. When you have trouble sleeping, Hermione told him softly, rather than counting sheep to tire yourself out, you can count wolves. Just like my daddy! said Teddy happily. Exactly. Just like your daddy.